You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for again giving us another day of life, health, and strength. Thank you for the ways in which you've been leading in our lives this week. Thank you for protecting and keeping us all safe. And Lord, most of all, we are grateful for your principles. We thank you for your wisdom, how you have led and guided us, Lord. And today is no different than any other day this week. We still need you as desperately as we needed you before. So continue to guide us and, uh, and lead us through um, as we discuss some topics that we believe are important to us all. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. And we ask these things in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Come on in and have a seat. And we are going to um, do a little bit of review before we get into our question and answer period, our question and answer period. So, um, as you know, the theme of this week has been tune-up. And the theme that our relationships and of all kinds, whether it's marriage, our families, at our jobs, at church, you name it, right? We're created for community, but um, there are times when we need a tune-up, when we need to be reintroduced to some principles, some tools that can help us to be able to optimize our relationships that God has given us, okay? And so we know that when we are in breakdown, another word for breakdown that we used was crisis, um, has a way of catching us unaware. And we discussed in the beginning portion of this week, we talked about unresolved grief. This is where we got a lot of these terms right here from because grief does not just center around death. Again, grief centers around loss of many different kinds, transitions, change, and we also have the intangible things that we can grieve. We can grieve losing trust, faith, safety, hope, control, respect, dreams, normalcy, expectations, all right? And what did we learn about grief? That grief is... Anybody? They just had lunch. Okay, okay. <laughs> Grief is normal and natural. natural. Thank you. Thank you. Grief is normal and natural. So that means that every single one of us on the face of this planet will face grief numerous times, more than 40 different types of losses that we can incur over a lifetime. We also learned that God grieves and also God has a process to grief and that same process is actually important for us as well. Processing means we need to articulate, right? Um, acknowledging what it is that has happened, what the loss is. Also express that loss, express that grief and then forgiveness, which we're gonna talk a little bit more about today. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. And we're actually going to um, discuss a little bit more about um, grief just a little bit um, because one of the questions will um, delve into that. On day two, we went into forgiveness, what it is and what it is not. We talked about emotional intelligence and vocabulary, how important they are. Um, and being able to have effective, not just communicate, because everyone communicates, believe it or not, right? Even when we don't talk, we're communicating something. But effective communication is what we need, as well as understanding how our emotions can impact the way that we communicate. We talked about the impact that self-talk has on us. Self-talk is the conversations that I have completely with myself about myself or the other people around me, not out loud, right? All of that conversation is happening up here. And that can also be a a stage that can send us into sabotaging our relationships, okay? 
Um, let's see here. We also talked about nece necessary combustion. Necessary combustion, right? And necessary combustion was talking about conflict. And that conflict is not necessarily bad. In fact, we know that God tells us that um, whenever we do something, right, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we can do all to the glory of God. That includes conflict, confronting, okay? But there is a way to confront without offending. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. Um, we talked about the difference between personal conflict and task conflict. They are different. And we also talked about um, some other different areas when it comes to conflict. Conflict oftentimes can involve control. Um, when we are trying to control, we can do that in a myriad of different ways. We can do that by moralizing and spiritualizing. Uh, we also have these filters that we um, either pick up along the way in our life through different experiences. Sometimes they're given to us through experiences as childhood or decisions that we make as we're growing up. And these filters prevent us from being able to hear properly and see properly. And we need to exchange those filters with God so that we can properly be able to differentiate um, the things that we are communicating or hearing from others. Um, we, we talked about defensiveness based on negative self-talk. And negative self-talk is something that takes place again up here and can sabotage us. Then um, yesterday we talked about uh, the change continuum, which was very powerful, right? And the change continuum is a part of that process that we're in um, when we are in even relationships with others, that uh, change is not something that happens overnight. And we've heard this statement talked about quite a bit um, when it says that sanctification is not the work of a moment, but it is the work of a? A lifetime. But if that is the case, then when we have the people in our lives who we want to change, or even if we're trying to change, um, we can run into these different aspects of failure, which I love to tell the clients that I work with, there's no such thing as failure unless you fail to learn something from it. Amen? Yes. All right. So those are just a little bit of the things that we went over. And now we are going to move on um, to... Forget. Oh, okay. Well, this is a, for those who are interested, um, some people are asking me about grief recovery. Uh, grief recovery, I am a grief recovery specialist. I work with individuals who experience many different types of losses. And I do group work, which is seven sessions, as well as individual work, which is also seven. And this is one that I have coming up um, within the next couple of weeks if you are interested in grief recovery. Grief recovery is different than grief share. Anybody familiar with grief share? No? Okay, well, you may hear about it from, thank you. <laughs> you may hear about it at some time in the future. Grief share is when people come together who have either similar or just have the experience of loss in their lives and they come together and they share. And that is very powerful. Um, we need that in our lives. We need to be able to find communities where we feel safe to share these things. However, you can experience grief and you can share it, but you can also experience not being able to heal from it. Uh, we were not created to grieve forever, even though grief is, grief is normal and natural. And what um, I do is I walk with people through tangible action items to, uh, to be able to help them to heal and bring the pain that is associated with those losses to completion. All right? So if you're interested in that, you can visit um, our website and we'll show you that later. And now we will go on to the topic of forgiveness. Now you may say, well, we already talked about this topic. <laughs> you know, why do we keep lingering here? Well, it's because forgiveness is a really big, big thing, right? And in the our other lives. reason we're lingering here is because in the questions, you yeah. were lingering here. <laughs> and over and over again, what we, what we uh, were reading is, 
I know about forgiveness, but mm -hmm. I understand forgiveness, but which leads me to suspect that perhaps you don't understand forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that's not the case with every one of these questions, but mm -hmm. we did feel like it was um, beneficial for at least one uh, one thing. So um, you guys don't know this, but let's say I, well, this is a hypothetical situation. Let's say I fell <laughs> off of a golf cart uh, the other day, um, you know, on my merry way, and then I fall off of the golf cart and I hurt my arm. And my wife sees me, we're both going about, and she's, she says, Hey, sweetheart, how are you doing? I saw you took that tumble off that golf cart the other day. Yeah, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot better. I can move and I can. Really? You know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Good. Oh, don't touch it. Oh, 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 what are you doing? Well, well, you said you were okay. You see what just happened? <laughs> and see. So, this is this is like many of us who say that we have forgiven. But when the conversation, the person's name, the event, the time comes up, all of the feelings are as raw as if it just happened. And what that is an indication of is that I have not really forgiven, right? Or let's say that my forgiveness process perhaps yeah. needs to mature a little. So how do we know whether or not we've forgiven? We can know if we are able to have the conversation without the pain. The easier it is to have the conversation mm -hmm. without the pain that is um, involved in that discussion. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways. Go ahead. And, and, and so when we, and this falls in line with all of this stuff here, and um, if you haven't been here all week, people have been coming forward and marking down their initials. If they have ever experienced any of these losses or transitions or changes, and they've circled them if they've had them at any point within the last few years, right? And the reason why this is huge is because for many people, we have experienced these things and also a loss of trust, right? When it comes to forgiveness. And we like to believe that we have moved forward. But for many people, they haven't even made the step to acknowledge that they actually have pain or that they have experienced these things. And so when it comes to forgiveness, oftentimes, I think in a spiritual context, and we were having this discussion earlier, we get into a, um, uh, what do you want to call it? A cultural norm. Let's call it that, right? The cultural norm is, do you forgive me? And what do you say? I forgive you, right? What we're speaking from a place of a cultural norm, but not from truth. Believe it or not, we can train each other to lie. We can train our children to lie. And I have to raise my hand and tell you that I actually didn't realize that until some years ago, raising my children. Because when your brother or sister does something to you, what do you say? Okay, now what do you say, right? And they tell them what we want them to say, all the while still walking around with the feelings of re- Resentment, bitterness, and anger. And so, So yes. we, you know, my wife, her example of living in truth is very interesting. <laughs> this is another discussion for another time about, <laughs> you know, asking someone to forgive you. That's a discussion for another time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she was asked, do you forgive me? 
And her response was? No. No, I know, I know, but you're a Christian, mm -hmm. right? And I am, I love the Lord, I do. But what I had to learn, um, and I didn't always know this because as a person who comes from a background of abuse, um, I was never allowed to be honest about my feelings. I was never allowed to confront, right? I was only allowed to be able to take things to a certain point. But as I grew older and I got mature and by the grace of God was able to heal, I realized that I could be honest with the people that are in my life, right? And so when this person, you know, addressed me and they said, you know, look, can you, can you forgive me? And I said, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not at that process yet, right? So what you can do in all honesty, this, I'm gonna give you a tool that you can use so that you don't have to betray your conscience while, um, you know, continuing on in a, in a fit of anger, right? You can say, I am in process, right? I'm you not can, there yet. I'm not there yet, but I am in process. Yeah. You can say that. I'm working on it. I'm working Pray on it. for me. Yes. All of these things are ways that you and I can speak truth. Mm. And, you know, because guess what? <laughs> They're going to see that you haven't forgiven them anyway. anyway. Right? <laughs> You know, you, but you said you forgave me, but you haven't talked to me for the last three weeks. Ooh. Mm. So they're going to see it. It's going to come out anyway. So, and uh, this is a, a bit of a, a review because I, I don't know, I have this serious ring going on here, but this is a bit of a review, but because someone might ask, well, how do, how do I go through the process of forgiving? My wife and I use that term process a lot. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, what, what process, what does that look like? Well, we actually went over it at the beginning when we talked about articulate, mm -hmm. express your feelings. So what are you articulating? You're articulating when it comes to forgiveness, mm -hmm. you're articulating how you have been offended, in what way, mm -hmm. in what particular area was I offended? And then we articulate or, or express our feelings, right? When this happened, this is how I perceived it, and this is how I felt about it. And then by the grace of God, we're able to move to another step in that process, which is to be able to forgive. And forgiveness, one of the definitions that we like of forgiveness is the ability to let go of the possibility of a different past, mm -hmm. right? So whatever my wife did to me yesterday, you know, one of the things that makes it challenging for us to forgive is when I keep thinking to myself, she shouldn't have done that to me. She shouldn't have treated me like that. I didn't deserve to be treated that way. You know, and, and I was trying so hard to do what's right. And, and that's what I got, right? So I'm holding on, listen to me, friends, I'm holding on to the belief that I can have a better yesterday or a better past, mm -hmm. when the reality is the past, yesterday, it's gone, right? And so one of the critical things in order for you and I to be able to believe is to let go of this desire to have a better yesterday. Let go of the desire to have a better past. Now that does not mean, you remember we went over some forgiveness myths, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we condone what the other person did. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the hurt that we experience is unimportant. Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't mean that we're letting them off the hook. None of those things are true. Mm -hmm. But if we continue to hope that, you know, things that have already passed could be different, then that is a futile engagement. And we're just setting ourselves up for perpetual disappointment, perpetual pain, and we're really and truly in bondage mm -hmm. to the pain of our past. Um, I wanted to address, because this actually goes along with some of the questions that we got. Um, when we are talking about um, betrayal, whether it's infidelity within your marriage, whether it is, um, and I think I shared with you guys yesterday in regards to when you have a family member that is an addict and let's say they recover and they're living in newness of life, um, moving forward is only possible, uh, you know, because, because you have actually addressed the offense, right? Um, just because someone heals and they're a new person, it doesn't mean that everything that has happened within the family dynamic um, ha somehow melts away, right? Um, it is very important. The reason why I want to talk about this is because there is a lot of there are a lot of relationships, whether it's parent, child, or husband and wife, where there has been betrayal. And while the person has decided to live and walk a different path, um, there are conversations that have never been had. Some people feel very much like that's um, unfair. They feel like they're left carrying this load. And some people will say, well, you know what? I'm not that person anymore. We can just move forward. No, the truth of the matter is, is that while you were in your addiction or while you were living in your betrayal and though you are a new person, there was carnage left behind. Mm. And so God, I don't believe that God is a God who just covers mess. Do you understand what I'm saying? I believe that God wants us to pull, pull back the cover so that we can truly live free. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say this. Yes. We, 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 uh, we, we had a good illustration one time because mm -hmm. we talk about baggage. Let's say that baggage oh, yeah. is all this stuff that's happened in our past. And, you know, we'll take a passage from Scripture and say that God takes our sins and he casts them where? Into the depths of the sea. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe God does that. But first, God says, put that thing on the bed, <laughs> unzip it, and let's go through that junk. Yes. Yeah. Let's unzip it and let us work through it. Mm -hmm. Then we can release it. You see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. check it out. God wants to throw it. God wants to separate you and I from the pain of it. The problem is not God. The problem is... It's me. I, I don't want to let it go. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So what good is it for me to give God an empty suitcase? Yes. Throw it overboard and then go back and all the stuff from the suitcase <laughs> is right there in my room. <laughs> you see? Go ahead. Go ahead, my brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And mm -hmm. prayer, prayer is powerful. Let me tell you something. There so just just yes. just repeat that one yes. way to oh, yeah. experience the forgiveness. My brother shared is to spend time on our knees praying for the individual that have wronged us. Yes. Yes, go ahead. You were um, because one of the things that we realized too is that, we talked about this earlier in the week, we don't have the power to change people's hearts. Amen? We just simply don't. As much as we try, but we do not. But what the Holy Spirit can do is change an individual's heart. Now, how long that takes, it's between them and God, right? But God has the ability to be able to do that. And while we're on our knees, we should be praying and asking the Lord, to change our hearts as well. Amen. Right? Lord, mm -hmm. please change me. Mm -hmm. Please change me. Go ahead. Uh, let's see here. Um, we had questions here, too, that talked about boundaries. Um, boundaries. Boundaries. 
within the family dynamic, whether it is with husband and wife or with children. Um, we are firm believers that all relationships require boundaries. Does everybody believe that? Yes. Every relationship, there is not one relationship on the face of the planet that can exist. You may think it's existing, um, but it's not. All relationships require boundaries, healthy boundaries. Um, the, but there is a difference between boundaries and barriers. There is a difference. Boundaries are for protection, right? Barriers keep us away, okay? And so um, many of us think that we are living in boundaries when actually we're living in barriers. And so, for instance, um, one of the questions that came up was in regards to infidelity. Um, definitely, we would agree that our marriages require boundaries, right? And one of those boundaries is we don't go outside the marriage. Amen? It, no, I don't think that was loud enough. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. So, now that we know that, um, and within each marriage, sitting down and having a conversation of what that looks like. So we have biblical principles, absolutely, right? But then we also have things, so for instance, one of the boundaries that my husband and I have, um, you, it's no uh, new information, he is a pastor, okay? Um, but when it comes to meeting with people, if he's meeting with a woman, he meets with that woman with me. Amen? It's, that's not a strange thing, saints, right? That is what you call a boundary, a protection for him, a protection for our marriage, a protection for me, a protection for that other person, right? And so these are the types of things that you have to think about when it comes to your marriage and when it comes to making sure that you are protecting what is sacred. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, but we, we just want to suggest and remind, mm -hmm. and again, it, it, it's difficult always to answer yeah. questions like these when you don't have all of the context and, and what have you, but uh, one thing that we would caution is sometimes there is a desire for boundaries barriers, which is another way of saying, how do I protect myself from being hurt again? Yeah. You see? And, and, you know, in the context of a family relationship, a marriage, mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't even have to be a marriage. This could be a parent-child relationship. Do parents hurt children? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Children hurt parents? Yes, they do, right? And do grandparents hurt children? Grandchildren? Yes, they do. And so um, any of these relationships, and of course, it's a different dynamic when we're talking about children. Let's assume for this sake that we're talking about adults here. Um, it is, you know, unless we are going to keep ourselves from individuals, who are a part of our family, which there are some circumstances and scenarios that may in fact call for that. Yeah. But if we're going to engage with people and truly call it a relationship, yay, a healthy relationship, then you know it is, we have to be, be aware that there is in every relationship an element that calls for trust. And if we are not able to trust an individual, see that, you know, the, the discussion about forgiveness, the discussion about boundaries, barriers, all of these things are, in my mind, at least predicated on the concept of trust, right? Because even if I make boundaries, I have to trust that this individual can acknowledge and respect those boundaries. And if this individual cannot acknowledge and respect the boundaries that I'm, that I'm setting, 
then that's, there, there's a uniqueness to that relationship. So anyway, there, there's a lot of facets and a lot of layers that we could peel out of that one, but go ahead. Another one that falls under um, forgiveness, um, and when we're talking about trying to communicate and move forward, um, I don't know if we talked about this earlier in the week, but it's in one of the questions. When we have no-fly zones, um, no-fly zones are, uh, there are certain subjects within our relationship that we just can't talk about. We can't talk about finances, we can't talk about sex, we can't talk about how we're gonna raise the kids, we can't, because it's a sensitive subject for my spouse, or it's a sensitive subject for whoever, right? And so, we just don't go there. Um, that, is, that is not healthy. Um, it is not something that is going to breed healthy, not only it barriers put up for healthy communication, but it breeds resentment as well, okay? And so, again, when true forgiveness is, will, is able to take place, you have to be able to talk about the things that you don't want to talk about. That is communication within a relationship. And so when you put up the no-fly zones that we will not go here and we cannot talk about this, because if we talk about that, I'm going to scream, I'm going to yell, I'm going to get attitude, or however people handle that. Or I will punish you in other ways. Or I'll, yeah, right? I will not say anything, but you will know mm -hmm. that I'm angry with you. Right. You know, one of the things that we, we mentioned in passing, but when it comes to setting healthy boundaries, when there has been um, infidelity or when there has been uh, betrayal of trust, and by the way, all betrayal of trust doesn't involve infidelity. Right. There may be things that we have promised that we would not do. Or right? do. Uh, or things that we've promised we would do, and yeah. then we go back on those things. Yeah. That's a betrayal of trust. We think that it's a, healthy, um, it's a healthy thing for us to share expectations, right? So here it is. We've been here at point A. We want to get here to point B. So how are we going to do that in a healthy way? Let's express what our expectations are of where we want to go. So uh, what Tamara and I would ask couples to do is we would ask them to separately write down their expectations mm -hmm. because sometimes we're a little too generous and too spiritual <laughs> when we're in one another's presence. So, so oh, oh, I just, I, I just want you to just, just love the just Lord. Just love Jesus. Okay, come on. What does that mean? <laughs> I just want you to love the Lord. What you're saying and what, you, and what your expectations are, I want to roll over in the bed and see you on your knees. I want to see you having personal devotions. I want you to lead the family mm -hmm. in family worship. I want you to be the priest of the home. I want you, and so what we do is we say, listen, write all of those expectations down mm -hmm. concerning that area. But if it's been in a, a particular area where there's been a betrayal of trust, okay, what does it look like? What are the expectations in terms of getting back to a place of trust, right? And, um, and so, and, and what we have them do after that is we have them come together, we have them share, go over the expectations, and then process whether or not some of the things are realistic or not. What do I mean when I say realistic or not? Mm. We can have some foolish expectations. Um, foolish only because we don't think about them. So I was talking to a young man one time, and he, we were doing some uh, coaching, counseling over uh, a relationship he was in. He wanted to get married. He said, but I'm worried whether or not this is the right woman, and da-da-da, this, that, and the other. And so I asked him, what are your expectations? And he said, man, I want her to be submissive. That was the first thing out of his mouth. I'm like, okay, okay, all right, all right, yeah. <laughs> I want her to be submissive, because you know, the Bible says, you know, wives, submit yourselves. Oh, okay, okay. So here's what I asked him next. 
I said, what does, what does submissiveness look like to you? He began to explain it. And then I asked him a second question. I said, did this young lady you're in a relationship with, did she grow up in a home with a father and mother? He said, no. I said, is her father a part of her life? No, she only just met him two years ago. Okay, so I said, let, let me explain to you. You grew up in a home with a mother and father, and you have a particular picture of submissiveness and what that looks like. She has grown up in a home where she has not had a father, and her perspective on submissiveness may be non-existent at the worst. At best, it is very different from yours. The expectations that you have mapped out in terms of what you desire for her, I shared with him, I said, my brother, they are unrealistic. Mm -hmm. I said, it's not realistic for you to expect someone who's come from the context that she has to step into a relationship and meet the expectations based on the context that you've lived in and come out of. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh. Now, I could have just blasted that brother at the beginning. Like, now, now out of all the things you could, have, you could have asked for, spirituality, you love the Lord. No, 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 you wanted to be, but, but I didn't do that. You know, we don't do that. We love the Lord. We love people. So we got to walk people through. But this is what it means for us to have unrealistic expectations. So listen, you hurt me. You betrayed me. For the next two years, you have to do penance. Mm -hmm. Some of us want that. Now, we wouldn't say that. But we would just say, no, 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 we're not there yet. Keep coming. Keep it coming. Not there yet. Not there yet. But in order to be fair to the individual who is trying to regain trust, we need to give them something. Don't you think that that's logical to be able to say, hey, these are the things that I'm expecting and that I need to see in order for me to be able to trust you again. Give me something to aim at. If you don't give me anything to aim at and you just say, yeah, we'll get there, hopefully. I'll tell you when we're there. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's, and, 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 and we can feel justified in this mm -hmm. because we've been hurt. Because we've been hurt. But that means that the regaining of trust is really not the issue. It's, it's punishing. me punishing you yeah. for the betrayal. And in, in, just because you brought it up, I just figured, you know, we'll, mm -hmm, we'll say mm -hmm. this. Um, because we know that God's ideal and I'm not afraid to say this because it just is what it is. God's ideal is that a man and a woman be in the home present to raise their children. Amen? There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Although we know that many of us today did not come from that ideal, I being one of them. Amen? It does not make me defective. It just is the truth, right? And by the grace of God, he can cover those things and still produce, right, within himself um, something better. But let's not also assume that just because he had a mother and father in the home that his picture of submission was also good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just going to leave that there. Okay? So we want to make sure that those things are measured up against uh, what God has to say. Amen? So those are the, some of the ways that we can deal with forgiveness, betrayal of trust, and, um, and yet still working with someone that we love and we want healthy relationship with. We need to be clear about what our expectations are, share those with one another, pray about them, mm -hmm. throw out the stuff that's unrealistic, and uh, agree by the grace of God on what we can work towards.
um, how to overcome fear and anxiety within a marriage, fear and anxiety. And, he's, and I think this kind of actually does go over a little bit. We talked about forgiveness. Um, but there's a, a tool that we like to use with couples, and it's called the core fear test. And some of you probably have heard us talk about that before it's down here. And what the core fear test does is it allows us to be able to put um, in, we talked about earlier about articulation. Um, it's one thing to walk around in fear and walk around in anxiety, but not know what it is that we're fearful or anxiety or have anxiety about. Or if we do have somewhat of an inclination about what we're afraid of or why we have that anxiety, how to be able to process through it. This is one of the exercises that we love um, to use ourselves as well as give it to other people to help them process through their conflicts that they have with one another. It allows them also to be able to put, um, identify your feelings and then it takes you to where you can identify the fear. Um, because it's one thing to say you're afraid, but what are you afraid of, mm -hmm. right? And then once you realize what the, um, once you talk about the fears, you know that for all of the fears that we have, we normally have reactions, right? So people don't just walk around being afraid. They normally react when they are afraid of something. And so we are able to identify through, through this core fear test, you are able to identify what it is, in fact, how you react when you are uh, fearful. And then once you are able to identify that, it helps you um, mark down the top three core fears, right? And the top three reactions that you have. It gives you a picture into yourself. Um, because you also know that we're not the best judges of ourselves, right? The people that we live with, that we are encountering, when they come to us and tell us that we are this person, normally what do we say? I don't know who you're talking about. I don't do that. I don't say that. Am I the drama? <laughs> I love saying that. But anyway, <laughs> so um, those but, types of things. Yes. And ultimately, everything that that comes down to, it, there were two words. One is ownership. Yes. Being able to identify in reality what my fears are and my anxieties are um, and being able to own them. Now, this, this is going to sound a little bit disturbing maybe to some people. But my fears are things that, well, I can't say that. Fears are, well, yeah, I can't say it. Fears are oftentimes things that we bring into a relationship, right? Now, you say, but, but she betrayed me. Her betrayal is water on a seed that I brought into the relationship. So in other words, it doesn't, these things don't come out of a vacuum, right? So we need to be able to take ownership for our fears. Yeah. And then when we can take ownership of our fears, it helps us to take our focus off of the other person, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. this, this was powerful for me because when we first got married, I was blaming her for everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm ready to be translated, Enoch, Elijah, hey, brethren, get my spot ready. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be up there and whatnot, and then I get married, and I'm like, where's all of this stuff coming from? None of this was, was present until I got married. And I'm like, oh, it's her, <laughs> right? And what do people normally do when they think it's the other person? Believe it or not, listen, separation and divorce and you know all those different right, things, right? right? So, so yeah. you need to change. Yeah. So I started praying for her <laughs> that she That's would that change. prayer, right? Prayer and That she change. would become, <laughs> and the Lord said, no, 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 you need to take ownership mm. because these things were in you but because you did not have the proper relationship context, they didn't come to the surface, but now here they are. They are yours. Take ownership of them, and then here's what we do. We take ownership of them, and then we give them to Jesus. Amen. And Amen. we say, Lord, this is, this is me. Yeah. 
my fears, my anxieties, I surrender them, please. And now every, every, remember this, that every fear, and an, every fear and anxiety that we experience is a potential knock on our faith and trust in God. Yeah. Right? Every fear and anxiety that we embrace is moving us further away from having confidence and trust in God. Um, another, because um, one of the questions talked about, you know, breaking the cycles, right? Anybody go through these cycles where, you know, you have this thing with your spouse and some people have been in these vicious cycles. What do you call it? Like this dance, right? And it's not just married couples right. that have cycles. Yeah. People, parents and children have cycles. Mm -hmm. Church members have cycles. Mm -hmm. You know, you got members who disappear for two months because somebody stepped on their toe yeah. or something like that. And yeah. But everyone expects that they're going to come back and they're like, oh, that's brother so-and-so, you know, he'll be back. Oh, that's sister such and such. Mm -hmm. She'll be back. Mm -hmm. And it takes them a while to blow off steam or whatever. So all of us, all yeah. of our relationships yeah. experience these cycles. And the reason why this tool is so powerful is because this is a cycle breaker if you allow it. Because what it causes you to do is it causes you to put words to identify what's actually really going on with you and whoever it is you're in the, the vicious cycle with. And once you identify that you're in this vicious cycle, you can now know what to pray for. Because do you know that for every fear that is listed on this page and more, there actually are, and you've heard this before, over 360 something fear knots in the Bible. God knew that fear was a huge problem for people, right? And it sabotages our relationships. And so that's why we also love this core fear test. Yeah, and I think there's, this goes back to something we've been saying. We keep repeating it. Repetition hopefully deepens impression. Articulation. Because I think, you know, uh, you know prayer is great. Any prayer is great. Mm -hmm. But I think God wants to mature us and grow us to the point where we have specific prayers. Mm -hmm. Lord, help me to stop feeling this way. Well, what exactly is this way, right? So when I'm praying and I say, Lord, I'm wrestling with bitterness mm -hmm. and resentment mm -hmm. towards person X, I need deliverance, right? That's a little bit more specific than help me stop feeling this way. And this is where God can begin to work, I think, in more precise and specific ways in our lives. And I think this question actually goes along with something along this line. How can I be more successful in meeting my spouse's needs to be understood um, the way that they want to? This is one tool you can use so that you can actually, um, if they're dealing with fear or that dance, right, um, helps you to be able to articulate or hear what it is that they're dealing with. And also just exercising listening. We um, would tell couples that it is a good thing to be able to designate a time. Whatever that looks like for your family is up to you guys because everybody's schedules are different. And so we can't tell you what that is. I'll get you one second. But um, when it comes to sitting down and designating a time every week to sit down and actually listen to one another, right? Uninterrupted. Let me just say that. <laughs> listening without interrupting is a huge problem for a lot of people, okay? So listening. And then also when you're listening to someone, we said the other day, you don't listen for what? For exact factual statements and details. You said this, you said that but you're actually listening for a person's heart. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you, you, the, the question stated, how do I meet needs? Mm -hmm. And this goes back to, again, expectations. Mm -hmm. As a spouse, or what are my expectations? You know, as a parent, grandparent, so forth and so on, uncle, auntie, what are my expectations? If you don't make known what your expectations are, then 
how on earth can I meet them? My brother, you had a... Yeah. Mm, excellent question. What is a relationship cycle, and is there such a thing as a normal relationship cycle? So a relationship cycle is when two people, uh, they engage in certain activities or they, they will say things to one another and they will find themselves, not only uh, the events are the same, or the events may differ, I'm sorry, but the outcomes in terms of the behaviors are always the same. So for instance, yeah. I will, you know, our cycle was, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that I would need and I would say, hey, listen, let's spend some time together. And my wife would say, well, I'm busy, I'm cleaning, I'm... I got to wash some clothes, the kids, I got to... Blah, 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 this, that, I got stuff to do, I don't got time for that. And so I would, my experience with that was, oh, she doesn't love me, right? She doesn't care about me. And so in order to deal with that pain, I detach, right? Or Passive, another thing is Passive-aggressively detach. Mm -hmm. And by the way, um, studies and research have shown that passive-aggressiveness is basically a marriage killer. Yeah right? It's one of the most potent marriage killers. And when I say passive aggressive, what I mean is, okay, well, I'm gonna explain it to you. I'm going to detach because I'm angry, but because I'm such a good Christian, I don't want to raise my voice. I don't want to say mean things to her, but I want to communicate in a Christ-like way that I'm unhappy. So I leave. <laughs> I leave, I go, and she calls, and she calls, and she calls. When are you coming back? And I don't respond. Ha <laughs> ha, now you'll know what it feels like. This is being passive aggressive. And so this is our cycle. So after I've gotten that out, no, that's wrong. I should have expressed to her what I really needed and felt and so forth. And so I come back and I say, Tamara, hey, sweetheart, I'm sorry, let's talk. You don't even she, exist to be. And now she is upset <laughs> because I detached from her and I didn't. And this cycle, this is our cycle. Yeah. And it will play itself out over and over and over again. It happens so often that we know it. Mm -hmm. You asked the question, an excellent question. Is there a such thing as a normal cycle? I will say that there are healthy cycles right. and unhealthy <laughs> cycles. Right? Not necessarily normal, mm -hmm. but healthy or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, you know, the Lord has, has been gracious to us. We are by no means perfect. Um, ooh, 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 I got an example. I got an example. Y'all ready? Because I've been working on it a lot. God is good. So I think it was like a, few, a couple weeks ago, right? We were having a discussion in the car because this is a lot of our conflicts happen in the car. I don't know about y'all. I don't know why that is. It's just so weird, right? But anyway, so we're in the car and, you know, something came up. I don't even remember necessarily what it was about, but we had a disagreement, you know? And listen, normally our disagreements, we can take that thing. We can go for like, man, you ever been in like, like a disagreement with somebody for like weeks? Even though you don't talk about it, but you, it can go weeks. Listen, there are some people who live in this perpetual cycle for years in their marriages. Anyway, so the minute that we were having this thing and we, you know, the thing pops up because, you know, we've done this thing so many times that you'll develop this muscle, right? Because you'll know that it's coming. You'll know that it's coming. And you're like, nah, -uh, not today, Satan, right? And you're like, nope. And so the minute that I saw it happening and we were getting ready to get into this dance, I literally heard the Holy Spirit say, Tamara, you don't have to say it. And I said, but God, I want to say it. And he was like, no, Tamara, you don't have to say it. I said, are you sure? Because this is a moment where I think he's, the Lord is like, nope, don't do it. I said, all right, Lord. 
And I looked at him and I smiled. And I didn't say it. And we had a really good, I think we had a really good time that day. Mm -hmm. And when I got mm -hmm. back home, I was like, babe, you want to know something? I jumped off the train voluntarily. And it was powerful. And it's the same thing with any other thing in our life when it comes to seeing all of that stuff, right? That when that choice is there and when you have the tools to be able to examine yourself and say, wait a minute, is this necessity? It, it, what's going on here? It is a powerful thing to stop the vicious cycle. So that's what normal. Normal is not that you won't have problems. Normal is when you're faced with the problem, or healthy, I should say, that you don't, that problem doesn't have to take you down the road of destruction. Amen? Amen. Right. Amen. So one of the other questions, I don't remember how it was phrased, but it, it caused us to want to share a resource with you. Yes. This is, um, you know, it's just one resource. You can, you know, you can probably find others. Probably some of you know of others. But this one is a book called Confronting Without Offending. Very great book. Confronting Without Offending. And it, it is helpful because it shares principles in terms of how we can engage in terms of some of those no-fly zones or difficult uh, subject matters. So this is, uh, these are two quotes. The first step in preparing for a confrontation is to establish the right purpose for putting the issue on the table. Mm. Ooh, 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 I like this, mm -hmm. I like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it is important to confront yourself first. first. Did you get that? So you, you wanna bring something to the attention of someone else, but the first thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that the purpose that we are bringing this to their attention is actually the right purpose. Do you know that sometimes we can want to simply, the statement I think goes on to say it, we can want to get stuff off of our chest. Do you know as a pastor, people come to me and they <laughs> unload their burdens on me and are like, oh man, oh pastor, okay, I'm so grateful. Now, you know, you gotta pray and see what the Lord wants you to do. I'm like, D -d -d no, I don't say that to you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So you just told me something that in confidentiality, I can't say to anyone else, but you want me to go now to the person that I was shared something about in confidentiality and talk to them about something I'm not even supposed to know. Are you following me? That's your issue. And, and, and I love playing catch with the saints <laughs> like that because I throw that joker right back at them. <laughs> now you catch. Because you're the person that knows about it. You're the one who, so hey, this is yours. Notice what it says up here. It says, uh, uh, are you carrying another person's okay. offense? This didn't happen to me. Yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. This is yours. It's not mine. And also, we can, we can want to just get stuff. We can be angry, resentful, bitter, so forth and so on, and want to share things. This is why it's so important for us to check ourselves first or confront ourselves first. Be honest about why you've decided to confront the issue. This is where we need to go to our knees. Lord, search my heart. Yeah. Why is this a burden for me? Help me to see, go ahead. And I just wanna throw this out here. I want you to remember this word, triangulation. Triangulation denotes a triangle, right? So what that is, is when I have an issue, right? or there's something that I feel like is important that needs to be addressed or dealt with, right? But then I go over here to this person to tell them that I have an issue with that person. Mm. And then I tell that person that you can go and tell that person. Any, anybody ever experienced that before? 
And no, then not these. these not these people uh, sanctified folks. Okay, but that is what you call triangulation. And that is a stressful situation to be in. And some of us, we allow it. We allow ourselves to get so stressed out by allowing people to triangulate us. And an exercise, if you ever feel like you're in triangulation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, my goodness. No, I'll go with you, though, if you want to confront them. <laughs> and by the way, that's another form of passive aggressive. Yes. I don't want to be seen as the bad person. But you can be seen as the bad person. So you go ahead and you have the uncomfortable conversation so I can stay over here with the angels and stay nice and clean. No, go get your hands dirty. (laughs) Go get your hands dirty. So number one, the first step is to establish the right purpose. I would say the second one is to, you know, examine ourselves and make sure that our motives are correct. And thirdly, there is a time for everything. There's a time to confront and a time not to confront. It takes wisdom and patience to wait for the appropriate time. Tamara and I like to refer to the appropriate time as teachable moments. There are certain times when people that we are in relationship with are more open to these types of conversations than they are at other times. So I'm not gonna go, and in fact, the book book actually, uh, it it lists, you know, uh, after work, you know, when a person is tired, so forth and so on. And you know what that's like, right? Mm-hmm. You come home, you walk through the door, and you know, people begin to unload on you, right? That's not the right time to mm. do that, right? Or it's the opposite way. Maybe you're the one coming home, right? To the person who's been at home, right? Who's been busy doing whatever, and you want to come and say, man, why are there still dishes in this thing? And why are the kids in the Don't do that, don't do that, okay? <laughs> so the appropriate time, there is a time for Everything, a time for everything. So uh, we got some questions about reconciliation. One, one was, how do I reconcile with an adult child who has told a lie about me? Um, do I just back off and let the- Is that what it says? Yeah. How do I reconcile with an adult child who was told- Oh, who was told, okay, I'm sorry. Who was told I'm a sorry, lie Saints. about- Who was told a lie about me. Do I just back off and let the Holy Spirit do the perfect work? Yeah, you know, um, hmm, that's, that's close to home. Mm-hmm. I will say yes. Hmm. Yes. The, the, the best way to defeat a lie, and of course God gives us a, 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 a pretty beautiful example of this, the best way to defeat a lie is to play the long game of love. That's it. Because in trying to explain that person X lied about me, I can be seen as impugning person X, who young person A may be very fond of and love. And so what have you done to your credibility? You just damaged your credibility in an attempt to share the truth with someone. Mm-hmm. So by the grace of God, one of the things that, that, that we believe is helpful in these situations, and this is painful, Yeah, it's painful, um, is to play the long game of love as we, as we would say it. Go ahead. And just to give a, a practical reason why, and I think we all probably would know this, um, when it comes to a child, whenever you, because that's what it's gonna be taken as, attack the other parent, you're never gonna win, right? You're never going to win that. For one, it's triangulating the child, okay? 
And so the best thing to do, because you do not want to traumatize the child by putting them in a position to try to then articulate how the other parent or person has lied, surrender that to God first and foremost, pray, right? Um, and what we found is that God does also have teachable moments. There are times when God creates an avenue in a way, somehow, some way, I'm not God, I don't even know how he does it, but he does, okay? Where that truth will come out. And um, oftentimes children, when they get old enough, they seek out the truth. And so, um, you know, that's one of the, the things we could share with you regarding that. And then this one is, if, if you and your husband have been living under the same roof, but living separate lives, what would you do to reconcile if, he had, if he's not willing? Well, and the, the word reconciliation, it kind of uh, assumes the willingness of two parties. So it is difficult to reconcile when the other party is not interested in reconciliation. Now, this is why we spent a little bit of time talking about forgiveness this week. In a theological sense, forgiveness takes God and humanity, right? But in a practical person-to-person -person sense, we don't have to wait on the other individual in order to forgive them, right? So forgiveness allows me to move forward um, even if the other person is not ready to. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to reconciliation, that is uh, something that involves individuals who both want uh, a restored relationship uh, and so forth. So that's a little bit different, and it's in, I would say it's impossible, not impossible in the sense that it can't happen, because God can change people's hearts, mm -hmm. right? And as we are changed by God's grace, he can use our transformation to have an influence on the other individual. Mm -hmm. um, there was a question here, and um, let's see here. How do you draw the line between not controlling your children, i.e. teens, um, and not being overly permissive? I believe that's what it said, mm -hmm. being overly permissive. Yeah, this old sage, wise man, uh, you know, <laughs> gruff, living in the mountains of Tennessee, he said this one time. He said, kids make the rules. Did y'all hear what I said? I don't think No, y'all didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm too gruff. But that's literally how he, he was said, saying it. He said, kids yeah. make the rules. Kids make the rules. So it was a, it was a, I'm like, what in the world is this dude talking about? <laughs> and what his point was, was, was this, was that we try to give freedom and allow people, children, the ability, remember what we talked about the other day? The ability to choose, right? Because that's how God has created us, free moral agents, right? exercising our wills. Uh, by the way, you, you do understand, because I know some of us are uncomfortable. Ah, oh, no, see, that's crazy. That's, you know, uh, this, that, and the other. God created perfect planet, perfect garden, Adam and Eve, and he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Where? Right in the middle. Why did he do that? so that every day 
they could make a decision to love and serve God. That's why I did it, right? Now, I'm not telling you that that means you need to go take some dirty whatever, whatever, and put it in your, but understand the principle. Because oftentimes what we do is we take things we don't want our children to have and either we treat them as though they don't exist, mm, interesting, or we take them and we put them out of their reach. And let me tell you the effect that that has. <laughs> what it has, the effect it can have on our children is when I get big enough, when I get old enough, and we like to remind children, now see, you're not gonna do that when you're living in my house. And you know what they begin to think? When I don't live in your house. See what I'm saying? And so what do we what do we do? By the grace of God, we should start as early as possible before teenage years, giving them the opportunity to make choices when we're purchasing Sabbath clothes, when they are choosing what they're going to wear for the Sabbath, when we are talking about what is going to be our, our family's Sabbath treat, when we are choosing songs that we're going to sing for family worship. All of these are giving them an opportunity to choose, giving them an opportunity to work and earn money and then blow it down at the snack shack. <laughs> and then come to you and say, oh, can I have it? No, you cannot. You worked, you earned money, you had a choice on how to spend it. This is what it means to live with the consequences of making not so wise choices, mm -hmm. right? But if we protect them from that all the time, if we protect, that is, our children from the consequences of their choices, then how are they ever going to learn? I mean, there's so much that could be said. We only got a couple more minutes left. I'm trying to make sure I get through as many as possible. Um, there was one here that said, how far does biblical selfishness go in marriage? Mm. How, do, how do we take time for self-care when we feel guilty putting ourselves first at all? Wow, that's profound. Now, you know, probably we are uncomfortable with the concept of putting ourselves first. Just got to be spiritually correct for all of us Christians who are preparing for eternity. Um, we want to put God first. Amen. Amen. So, uh, but God, here, here's the thing, even Jesus, when working with his disciples, said, come apart ye yourselves and rest a while. Because Jesus understood that if I am not, and Jesus did this while here on this earth in his humanity, right? Jesus understood that if I'm, if I am depleted physically, emotionally, and spiritually, then how much good am I to you? None. In fact, I run the risk of harming you because I'm tired, I'm agitated, I'm on edge because I haven't had enough sleep and I haven't had enough rest. And so the person, now don't raise your hands, the person that I'm supposed to be caring for, I'm now frustrated and angry with. This happens when new mothers who are mothering their children, they are conflicted because why am I feeling this towards this beautiful little baby? Yeah. It's because you haven't slept. You're not evil, right? It's because you haven't had enough rest. Mm -hmm. I'm caring for my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, and yet I feel exhausted, right? And again, conflicting emotions. Guilt, yeah. Like, man, you know, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this. 
I'm hoping, and we would never say this, but I'm hoping that sooner rather than later, they'll pass. And then we start beating ourselves up because we're like, that's a depth, please Jesus take that conflicting emotions. Why? Because I'm tired, I'm tired. So we have to be restored, replenished and refreshed and this is not just the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, is, it includes the Sabbath, but outside of the Sabbath. And in order for us to accomplish that, it means that we have to make plans, we have to make provisions in order to step out of said experience so that we can be restored and have a passion to step back into that experience. And you also have to communicate because there are some of us, um, and I know I struggle with that, I want to be in control of taking care of everything, but then I wear myself out and then I'll get mad at the kids because they didn't do anything around the house, but I didn't really ask them or tell them what it is that they were supposed to do. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, you can be that you can be that person. You can be the person that complains about nobody helps and nobody wants to help me and I'm just doing everything but for everybody. But you don't let nobody help. You know what I'm saying? You don't ask for help. So it's just a battle, you know? So that's also one way you can, you know, let people know what your expectations are and what you need. All right. Well, listen, we're out of time. I know. I'm sorry. Wish we had more. Wish we could have got to everything, but we didn't. Yeah. Please pray for us. <laughs> have mercy on us. Oh, this is a resource. Just wanted to show that ooh, you guys. Ooh, because some, someone asked about parenting adult children. Anybody parenting adult children? Help. My son will be Some of you are like, no, I'm not parenting adult children. Uh, okay. All right. We'll pray for you. Okay. So, um, this is Meg Meeker. She's not a Seventh-day Adventist, but she is a Christian. Mm -hmm. She's written two powerful books, One Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, Another One Strong Mothers, Strong Sons. Fascinating, must-reads for parents, but she also has a podcast, and she has several episodes about parenting adult children. Yes. How do you deal with your children when they're adults, and they want you to know they're adults, <laughs> but they don't always act like adults, <laughs> right? Fascinating thing. So just another resource we would encourage you. Let's pray. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Let's pray together. Gracious, gracious Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we just are grateful. We're thankful. Um, we are in awe of how you are able to parent us down here on this planet, how you are able to be in relationship with us down here on this planet. And yet we are so grateful for your word because it truly is the manual for life. Um, you have not left us down here unaware, unprepared, Lord. You have given us everything we need to face every relationship in our life. Father, I pray that you would drive us to the foot of the cross. And I pray there, Lord, that we will be able to leave our burdens and our cares, whatever they may be. And I pray also, Lord, that when we leave the foot of the cross, that we would leave with a renewed mind and heart to, to fight for successful relationships. The world is desperate for them, Father, and the enemy hates them because he knows that a well-ordered family is truly, truly the greatest witness for the gospel. So I pray that today you would bless each and every member of your family that is here, Lord. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would heal us, Father, from the roots of our griefs and our pain. I pray that you would heal our marriages, Father, heal our parent-child relationships, heal our church dynamics, Lord, and heal our relationship with humanity. Ultimately, Lord, we know that you want this so that you can come soon. So we surrender ourselves to you today and thank you, Father, for Jesus and him pleading on our behalf, even right now in the heavenly sanctuary. We claim his righteousness until we are made perfect. In his name we pray, amen. Amen.
To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.